with us. Emmanuel. He's with you in your pain, with you in your perplexity, with you in your confusion. He's in you and he loves you and he'll never fail you and never forsake you. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The most unselfish act ever committed in our universe was when Jesus left his glory in heaven to become one of us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, Our King Has Come, with a look at the unselfishness of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible informs us that Jesus enjoyed incredible glory and bliss in heaven before leaving it all to become a man. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but during this Christmas season of giving gifts and thinking about others, let's also consider the incredible unselfishness of the one who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. Jesus was consummately, incredibly unselfish. He displayed pure love in all its unselfish glory in order to reach you and me. I can't wait to share it with you, so let's go right to the message, Jesus was unselfish. All right, now, last time we looked at some profound stuff. Let me just recap a little bit last time. This is deep stuff, but it's in the Bible, which is very deep. This is the most profound book you will ever read. Oh, by far, the most profound book you'll ever read. Now, we saw last time that Christmas didn't really begin in Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary and the little baby born in a manger. It's not where it began. But Christmas began way, way, way long ago. Well, let me just read Peter to you. Peter writes, God chose him, that is Jesus, as your ransom Listen to these words, long before the world began. Not just before, long before. Jesus was chosen before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So all of the birth of Jesus was and is, as profound as it was and is, it was a fulfillment of what God had already decreed and decided long before the world began. It's a mind twister, but it's true. And we're dealing with eternal God. And when you're dealing with eternal God, you're dealing with a God that doesn't live in time. He doesn't dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. And so long before the world began, way before Bethlehem in the manger, long before Genesis 1 verse 1, long before, reaching further and further into endless eons of unmeasurable time, God chose Jesus to be our ransom. And that's when Christmas was first conceived. It started right there. And we saw last time also that Jesus was not some first century flower child walking around, sort of tiptoeing through the spiritual tulips, saying neat things, wearing sandals and long hair. 
and uh, saying things that just gave people a warm fuzzy. No, 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 no. Jesus was very God wrapped in skin. That's what we need to get a hold of. We are told in the Bible that he was in the form of God. Philippians 2, 6. He was in the form of God. Another translation says he was in the very nature of God. He was in very nature God. And then another one says, though he was God. Jesus was God. When Jesus looked at you, he read your mail. The reason he could read your mail is because he was God. Knowing the end from the beginning, from everlasting to everlasting, he is, has always been, and always will be. If you really think about it, it really will twist your mind into a pretzel shape. But we're dealing with great and mighty God. That's who Jesus was. So Christmas is a whole lot more. Really, it has little to do with Christmas trees and white snow and reindeers and packages and shopping and eating a turkey and all of that good stuff. Let me tell you what Christmas is. Christmas is all about a miraculous moment, unprecedented. Never before had it ever happened, nor will it ever happen again, that God the Son left heaven to become one of us. Paul the Apostle wrote, It is quite true that Christ came to the earth as a man. John wrote, And the Word became flesh, the Word being Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made his home among us, lived among us. And John said, Here's what it was like watching him. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace, said John, full of truth, this Jesus. You know, we talk a whole lot about Joseph and Mary and how far they went when the decree went out that they needed to come and register for taxation. And here's Mary, nine months pregnant, and they had to make a long journey. They had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and we've talked about that. I've preached on this, the long journey they made. It was about 80 to 120 miles. Now, ladies, think about it. Mary was nine months pregnant. She didn't have a Mercedes. She didn't have an SUV. She did not have a jet. She did not have a private plane. She made it on a camel. Nine months pregnant. Way to go, Mary. That's incredible. Now, and we've also discussed how the wise men, I've preached on this before, these, these wise men, these Persian astronomers who saw the star in the east and they looked at it and they said, what in the world is that star? It just absolutely mystified them to the point where they couldn't resist it. That star was like dangling astronomical carrot in front of their face and they couldn't leave it alone. So they packed up everything and journeyed and they went about 800 miles. It took almost two years. So when you look at everything that revolved around this amazing miracle of Jesus coming to earth, it caused a lot of journeying to go on. Joseph and Mary journeyed, the wise men journeyed, but nobody journeyed like Jesus did. Nobody. He went much, much, much further than this to reach us. He left heaven and came to earth to reach us. In Africa, a missionary teacher did her best to explain the meaning of the Christmas holiday to her children. And as part of the explanation to make Christmas make sense for them, 
She said, look, the reason we give presents is because God gave to us the, the gift of his son. So that's why we give presents at Christmas time. And one boy, one little guy there was in particular really intrigued by this. Really, listen, fascinated by her words. And so when Christmas Day came, this little boy brought to his teacher this amazing, extraordinarily beautiful seashell. And when she asked him, she said, where did you get this beautiful seashell? He told her, well, shells of this kind come from a certain bay that is a few miles away. And he was just a little guy. So she said, you shouldn't have gone that far, sweetie, to bring me this gift. And here's what he said in broken English back to her. Long walk, part of gift. Can I tell you the journey Jesus made? Part of gift. The long walk, the longest journey ever taken. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might become rich. Long walk, part of gift. Here's the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas is that for about 33 years, God moved to our neighborhood. He inhabited our edge of the solar system. He came to earth. The Bible says he made his dwelling among us. He pitched tent among us. He made his home among us. He did it so that he could feel our pain and empathize with our plight. And so that we can understand God. Because looking at Jesus, you understand God. He said, if you have seen me, you've seen God. He made his dwelling among us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. He, he, he grew up like any other little boy. He belonged to a family. He grew up normally. He played with his little friends in the streets of Nazareth. He went to school and was faithful in the worship of the synagogue. His habit was to go to church. The Bible says that when he came out of the wilderness, he went into the synagogue to teach, as was his habit. From the time he was a little boy, he was in the habit of being faithful to church. He worked with his hands. He was a blue-collar guy. He worked with his hands in his father's carpenter shop, and he learned the skills of a trade, just like many of you have done. He lived among the people. He attended weddings. He attended funerals. He saw our hopes and dreams, and he saw our disappointments and our sorrows. He knew that we were enslaved to sin. See, the arrival of Jesus was a divine rescue mission. When he was born in that manger, remember, it had already been decreed by God eons and eons before, and the reason he came and wrapped himself in flesh is because we were going to be completely destroyed in our sin if we were not redeemed. And so it was a rescue mission. And in this is what gets me. In some indefinable way, he added manhood without subtracting deity. He was fully God and fully man, fully man and fully God. All man, all God, all God, all man. He was the God-man. The God-man. He never lost that deity. When you looked at Jesus, you were looking at God wrapped in skin. The love of God now beat in a human heart. The wisdom of God now spoke from human lips. 
Jesus was God wrapped in humanity. When God took upon himself a human form, he did not live above us condescendingly. He didn't live beneath us. He didn't live away from us, but he lived with us. That's why Emmanuel means God with us. He's with us. Emmanuel. God with us. He's with you in your pain, with you in your perplexity, with you in your confusion, with you in your plight. He watches you, watches over you. He's with you. He's in you. And he loves you. And he'll never fail you and never forsake you. Now, I want to look at something today. I've never preached on this, but I'm going to quite like this. We're going to look at something else that just jumps out at me out of Philippians 2, verse 6. The stunning unselfishness of Jesus. It says in 2, verse 6, He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, let me give you two other translations to help you understand it. He did not demand and cling to His rights as God. Now, here's my favorite one. Instead, He gave up his divine privileges in order to come here and save us. In order to redeem us, Jesus must let go of what he had in glory with the Father. See, he turned loose of some things so that he could grasp some things. He let go of some things and he became our example. In order to save us, he had to let go. He had to walk away. He had to lay some things down. And this is the mind blower. One commentator says this. He did not regard his equality with God as an object of covetous desire. Though he possessed the divine nature, he did not eagerly seek to retain his equality with God. But instead, here's what Jesus did. He stepped out of glory, out of heaven, out of his place, out of his position, he stepped out and made the longest journey of all time in order to become one of us. Long walk, part of gift. Jesus himself tells us that it was his decision to do this. He wasn't made to do it. He wasn't coerced to do it. He wasn't forced. He decided it was his decision. Listen to what he says. John 10, this is why the Father loves me. Because I am laying down my life so I may take it up again. Then he makes sure we get it. No one takes it from me. No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So there's only one conclusion we can draw from this and that is Jesus was stupendously unselfish. He could have said, no, I won't. But he said, yes, I will. He could have said, no, I won't. He told the disciples at Gethsemane, he said, look, if I wanted to, I could call on 12 legions of angels right now, and they would come, and they would whisk me out of here at my word. He could have, but he didn't. Because he was supremely, consummately, amazingly, perfectly unselfish. What this means is he didn't think of himself first. He thought of us. He did not put himself first or his own interests ahead of ours. And that rocks my world, folks. 
I don't know about you, but about once a year, I'm selfish. No, I'm selfish all the time. It's so easy to think about me and put myself first, but not Jesus. It's in his nature. Now, let me point out that when Jesus did this, the Bible says this is the way that you ought also to be. This is the way you ought to be. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul wrote two verses before he tells us about the unselfishness of Jesus. He says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Then he said, let this mind, this unselfish mind, this unselfish character, this unselfishness, let the same thing be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not put himself first, but he put others above himself. He said, let you be that way. You be that way. If you want to be like Jesus, you be that way. Not easy, is it? Kathy is this way. She always thinks of other people. All those cards you get when it's your birthday and I get credit for, I didn't do it. She did it. But see, when I see that in other people, I can look up and see where it's supremely manifested and modeled in the person of Jesus Christ. He was unselfish. Now let me just share with you a few things that Jesus gave up to make that long journey to us. Are you ready? First of all, he gave up, I believe, his heavenly body. Do you know that one day we're going to be taken out of here? And when we are taken out of here by God, we're going to receive a glorified body. And that glorified body is going to do for you what curves could never do. It's going to be a glorified body. You're not going to have to diet anymore. You're not going to have to work out anymore. You're not going to have to run anymore, cycle anymore, any of that. You're going to have a glorified body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, but Jesus gave up, he had to have, his heavenly body to put on a body of flesh. Because Paul says of him, who being in the form of God, he was in, before he came to earth, he was in the form, the essence of God. Now, whatever that means. I think it's safe to say that Jesus gave up whatever body, whatever form he had in glory, he gave it up in order to put on the form of a man. He gave it up. What is a glorified body? Well, you know, maybe what he gave up was a body like he had of the resurrection. His body after the resurrection was amazing. It was not subject to natural law. He walked right through closed doors. If the door was locked, he walked through it. His body defied natural law. You say, Jeff, do you really believe that? Of course I do. Of course I do. His body wasn't subject as a resurrected body to natural law. He would suddenly appear in a room from nowhere. Here would be the disciples all gathered together, afraid that the Romans were going to find them. And suddenly, poof, Jesus is in the midst. And he says, fear not. Hey, if you appear in the midst of me and the door is locked, I'm going to fear. He said, fear not. Touch me, hold me, talk to me. He was not subject to gravity. His glorified body, when he ascended back into glory, into heaven, went back to the Father. The Bible says in the book of Acts, he simply floated up into the clouds and disappeared out of the disciples' sight. Can you imagine after that? 
and then turning and looking at each other and saying, I think we better go preach. Because our Lord just went back into heaven. But see, even more than all of that, before Jesus left heaven, He existed as the very essence of God. The very essence of God, which we can't begin to reconstruct in our thinking. We can't imagine what that means. He was in the form of God, the essence of God. Jesus gave up His heavenly body, the form that He had, in order to wrap Himself in human flesh with all of its restrictions and limitations. He gave it up and made a long journey. second thing Jesus gave up was the glory He had with the Father. Before the world began. Listen to what Jesus said. And now, Father, he's praying in John 17. He says, Now, Father, reveal my glory as I stand in your presence, the glory we, Father, shared before the world began. Wow. You know what he did right there? He claimed deity. He said, Hey, Father, I'm about to come home again, but now, Lord, I want you to show your glory, my glory, the one that I shared with you, the glory that I shared with you before earth was created and there were any stars or anything you can see, hear, taste, touch, or smell. He says, Father, I had that with you before the world began. But I gave it up. I walked away from it. I laid it down. That's powerful stuff, church. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. And I want to be clear. In saying that He gave up the glory that He had with the Father, what I'm not saying, I am not saying He gave up His deity. Because Jesus never once gave up His deity. He was always God, man, man, God, the God, man. He never, ever, for a millisecond, gave up his deity. He remained all God while on earth. His godness was simply concealed by the flesh that he lived in. What an amazing thought, the unselfishness of Jesus. And look at what his unselfishness has produced. Now millions and untold millions more have been redeemed, delivered, healed, and filled with hope of eternal life. In light of the unselfish love displayed by Jesus, Paul encourages us to, quote, let this same attitude be in you. Perhaps we can work on allowing the Christmas season of giving. Perhaps we can work on allowing the Christmas season of giving to others carry on beyond December 25th into the rest of our lives, living like Jesus lived unselfishly. You know, our goal at Life Talk is to aid in the spiritual growth of you, our listeners. That said, don't go anywhere because in just a moment, our announcer is going to tell you about an exciting offer that will do just that, help you in your walk with the Lord. Jesus was unselfish is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, Our King Has Come. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. 
Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Our King Has Come, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire, and I am so excited to announce that Turning Point Church will be launching Reach Bible College and Seminary this November. Whether you've been in ministry for years or you're just getting started, Reach Bible College and Seminary will help you reach your goals. Our affordable bachelor and master degree programs are designed to incorporate practical ministry alongside a sound theological education. Why wait until you finish your education before starting your ministry? We're now enrolling for the winter trimester that begins November 28th. For more information, visit our website at www.reachdfw.org. That address again is www.reachdfw.org. You can also visit our information table before and after any of our weekly services at Turning Point Church. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.